Welcome to the Execution Zone podcast, where we tackle the challenge of why executing strategy is so much harder than actually creating it. We talk openly and honestly with entrepreneurs and leaders who will share the behind the scenes story of their own journey. This will give you the insights that you need to shortcut your own path to success. Welcome to the Execution Zone podcast. I'm Abby White. This week, the podcast is going to be divided up into three different conversations. First up, it's going to be myself talking to you about what I believe some of the keys to sales and execution are at this point in time and where I believe as a business owner or a leader, you should be focusing at the moment. Then we're going to talk to Therese Ravel from Impact HR about HR considerations at this point in time and as a leader, what you should be focusing on from that perspective. And then finally, we're going to be speaking to Lisa Burling around PR considerations at the moment and why PR is actually a really good option at this point in time. The conversations with Therese and Lisa are part of the Facebook Live series that we're doing as Lunch and Learns in our Facebook group. You are very welcome to join if you haven't done so already. It's the Execution Zone community. And at the moment, we are in there daily doing Facebook Lives with a range of different experts. Now, the reason I wanted to add Therese and Lisa onto the podcast is I'm trying to make sure that I'm making the information that the experts are providing as accessible as possible. So therefore, you can either listen to them on this podcast, if you're on the go, perhaps you're getting in your walk of the day or, you know, in the car on your way to the supermarket, whatever you may be doing. And we're also providing them in a free membership portal that we have released. So if you want to watch the video version, you can head to our free video portal. Just go to our website, theexecutionzone.com and register there for the free resources. There's resources in there from legal, HR, IT, sales, PR, you know, so many different experts, and there's more coming every single day of the week. So I'm changing up the podcast quite a bit at the moment. And the reason being is I'm trying to talk about the topics that are relevant to the situation at this point in time. I'm very, very cognizant that everything is changing daily. So I'm trying to provide you with the information I believe is going to help all of us at this point in time. So let me start to dig into sales. And I want to start off by addressing the most common question that I am receiving at the moment. And that is, should I stop selling? It's not appropriate to sell. And I don't want to take advantage of the situation. Now, I disagree with this. If you are selling a product or service that is rubbish and it's ripping people off and it isn't solving a problem, then absolutely stop selling. However, I'm going to assume that everyone has got a great product or service, in which case I absolutely do not believe that you should be stopping to sell. What I do believe we should be doing, all of us, is being cognizant and aware of the situation and therefore perhaps adapting how we're having the conversation so that we are aware of that other person's potential situation or circumstances that might be coming into play in the conversation. But I think all of us need to say in business, The economy needs us to stay in business. Our families need us to stay in business. Our customers want us to stay in business. So therefore, if we're still providing a great product or service for someone and we're still solving a problem for them and a need that they may have, then absolutely we should keep selling. So I don't believe that we should be taking the foot off the gas. That's absolutely not the case. And that's the first thing that really I wanted to address. The second is I've heard quite a few people sort of suggest, well, should I just bunker down? Um, for the next six months, maybe shut up shop and, you know, come back in six months time and make a comeback. 
Now, obviously, this is a very personal decision um, and everybody's situation is different, which I wholeheartedly understand. My personal take on this is this is actually an opportunity. As I talked about last week on the podcast, whilst this is a really bloody difficult situation and my business has also been heavily impacted, I think there's an opportunity to start to build a community, um, to add value to other businesses in a time of need and to actually really focus on some of the things that previously we might not have had time to do. So I think it's about finding the silver linings in this situation. And so many businesses right now are pivoting really fast and finding new opportunities and new ways to transact. I also reflected on um, a book that I previously read, which was Good to Great by Jim Collins. And in that book, they looked at good companies versus great companies. And what was interesting is they both could go through difficult times, recession, various hardships or difficult market conditions, but the great companies still thrive despite those obstacles in the way. And there was a number of different factors for this, but one of the factors that came to play was that they were the organizations were led by what Jim Collins defined as level five leaders. And level five leaders, amongst other things, they were able to confront the brutal facts, but never lose faith. And I've talked about this several times, and I want to keep reiterating it, that I do think we have to be honest with ourselves about where we're at, but I also think we have to keep the faith and keep going because at this time, some amazing innovation can come. So if you look at the global financial crisis, which I appreciate was you know, a slightly different battle to be had. But out the back of that came WhatsApp, Pinterest, Uber, Slack, Airbnb, so many companies. So I actually think that sometimes some opportunities and innovation can emerge from this situation. And I'm actually really, really, really excited by some of the innovation and creative thinking that I'm seeing. And what I'm also excited about is the speed in which people are executing. That to me is really, really inspiring because it's the time to let go of perfectionism. It's the time to let go of um, procrastination. It's absolutely the time for strong execution. And I believe that those that are able to do that are the ones that will be thriving in this situation. So for me, the number one thing that I believe we need to look at now is what are the problems of my target market now, today? Not what were they a month ago when we were all in a very different place? What is it today? Um, So if I look at, for example, the execution zone members and I look at the problem, the vast, vast majority of members are in a situation where their number one problem today is now, okay, how do I keep my business going through this situation and how do I pivot my sales strategy? So their problem has changed. They still absolutely need us. We can still provide them the business education and resources to help them, but I'm providing something very, very different to what I was a month ago. We also moved all of our workshops online. So that's us as an example. If I look at gyms right now, gyms are now going, okay, well, our customers still want to stay fit throughout this, but how do we help them? So how do we launch home workouts? A gym near me has started um, leasing out or renting out their gym equipment for people to set up a home gym in their garage. And I thought that was absolutely brilliant because they're addressing the need of their customer in a different way. So my number one point is start by looking at how do you solve your 
what is the problem, sorry, that your target market have now? And how do you solve that problem? And also, let's be honest, do you want to solve that problem? So for example, for me, do I want to solve the problem of the fact we have shortage of hand sanitizer and things like that? No, I'm not inspired to do that. That's not the market that I'm in. But I am inspired to help people with their sales and execution. So it's really addressing those that problem and then how you can solve it and where you're passionate and inspired to solve it. If you look at other um, factors that are coming to play, another factor can be, well, the problem that my client now has is they still need my product or service, but they don't have the funds to pay for it. So I know a lot of organizations are starting to work with companies such as Afterpay or other financial service providers to be able to provide the financing options. Some who are able to do so and are fortunate enough to to be able to do so are providing extended payment terms. So that's another thing that we might need to consider in terms of the new problems that our clients have today. Now, I do believe that it's about acting now. I believe the businesses that have already pivoted, and I'm going to share some more examples with you, are already either benefiting from that and reaping the rewards, or they're minimizing the downside and the damage. And that is what I believe we all need to be doing right now is going both of those two ways. And actually, the third option, which I will mention, is some businesses are actually booming out of this. Um, You know, some of the clients that we're working with where they're doing healthy homemade meals, they're booming. If you're working for Zoom, you are probably booming right now. There are absolutely companies that are doing well out of this, but the same problem exists, which they're probably going through astronomical growth. And so the same problem is how do I execute? right now? And how do I execute in these new market conditions where perhaps we're all working from home and we're seeing just unprecedented circumstances on multiple fronts? How do I work from home with a kid hanging off me? You know, that's a new front for me. So really, I want you to look at how you can pivot now with speed. And the way that I believe we need to do that is by finding our minimum viable product. What can we put out there and test to see if it's going to resonate. So I want to use a couple examples with you. Um, One of our clients, which I previously mentioned, is Urban Ritual. They do beautiful candles and hand creams and hand washes. They, within 48 hours, came out with a hand sanitizer. They only produced 100. They sold like hotcakes, and so they started um, producing more. So they had an ability to test it. With us, if I use ourselves as an example, we've started this free member portal to try and genuinely continue our generosity epidemic that we want to start. But we're also testing it to see what the appetite is of the market to use an online learning platform and an online portal and learn in in that way. Um, Historically, online courses have had extremely low completion rates. So we really wanted to test the appetite and the usage of that. Um, So that's an example in in our world that we're doing. So think about in your world what the easiest way is to test whether there's appetite before you go and build a product or service or spend days and weeks or money, um, which we all have to be careful on right now, producing that product or service. What's that minimum viable product that would allow you to test it? Perhaps it's even speak to a few of our friendly customers or um, friends who are an ideal target market and ask them whether the product or service you're considering of would be of interest. 
The other thing you can do as a trial is also um, something that we're doing is we're doing in our space free lunch and learns where we're testing out topics to see how they're resonating at this point in time. So that's a way for us to test the market and test the topic and the feedback. So there's all different ways that you can do that without investing too much time and effort. And I genuinely believe even outside of these circumstances, that is the best sales strategy because I think we can all think that we have an amazing idea and it's a great idea. We can do lots of market research. We can um, spend a lot of time talking to people, but proof is in the pudding and the market will tell you pretty quickly whether you're onto something. Now, I don't think that we're going to get it right first time. I absolutely think it's going to be a case of tweak, 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 refine and go again. But I think that there's the best learnings we're ever going to get is by putting something out to market and learning from real firsthand experience and user feedback. So that's my recommendation at this point in time. Um, The other thing that I wanted to do was share how businesses at this point in time are also building community. I believe that right now is one of the best times on the planet that I'm aware of to build community. And that is still something that as a business is very, very valuable. And I also believe that right now we should all be sticking together and helping support each other through this time and, and our communities at this time is something that I believe is truly important. So one example for you is a former client of ours called Sports TG. They do um, software for the sporting industry. They actually have in record speed, and I think it's probably about under a week to go now, are launching a podcast as a way of staying connected to their community. They've also started launching webinars. And within the first couple of days, they were already getting well over 100 customers on their webinars. Now, the webinars that they were running were topics that their customers wanted to hear about. It was all about adding value to their customers. And I think that this is so important for a couple reasons. So firstly, like I said, they're building community. Secondly, by doing that, you are protecting and maintaining your customer base. I have talked very openly a lot about the fact right now I am absolutely noticing the service providers that are communicating with me very proactively and letting us know if the service is going to be impacted, letting us know the updates that we need to know and they're across it versus the ones that aren't at all. Um, To give you a tangible example, my bookkeeper yesterday um, sent an update within two hours of the government announcements around the latest government grants. Within two hours in my inbox was an email with, here's a summary in bullet point format, really clear, really concise, really professional, and really speedy and proactive. That to me is staggering and exceptional service. Now she will now benefit from A, having a very loyal customer because she's looked after me in the hard times, but B, positive word of mouth because I'm raving and shouting about her to absolutely everybody. On the contrary, I've had people that haven't even communicated with me. Um, Someone today in a Facebook Live when I was talking about a similar topic actually said, well, I've actually left my accountant at this point in time because they didn't even communicate with me and I don't feel they're there to support me. So coming back to the point, this aspect of community and engaging with our community is so important to retain our customer base, to have loyal raving fans, to get positive word of mouth going. There's so many benefits to to doing it. And now is the time to be on the front foot and be proactive. I do believe that our communication needs to be about adding value. It can't just be more COVID-19 spam in our inbox. I think we've all had quite enough of that. It does have to be adding value and helping and educating us. To me, someone who 
Junie Masters um, spoke at our summit back in February, which feels like a lifetime ago now. And she talked about the influencers and the voices of authority that do well are the people that translate information for you. So that to me is what's important. Someone who is communicating, they're adding value. They might be translating something complex, like my bookkeeper with the government grants, into something simple and bite-sized chunks that I can understand. So how are you doing this for your customers? The next thing I want to talk about is taking your sales online. So I believe the future for a huge proportion of businesses is now about getting online. And I think that there's some really key tools and aspects that we need to look at for that. Because what we have to start to build out is a very different sort of offering. It's often in many cases more of a subscription, a monthly based offering, which might really cause a few changes to our business model that we'll have to assess. And I want to give you a couple examples of businesses that I've seen starting to jump online. Firstly, I've seen quite a few professional speakers who have still continued, but they are doing it via workshops. And that's been a brilliant jump. Secondly, I've seen gyms. Um, KX Pilates was one I saw the other day where they were jumping online um, to offer home workouts. Um, I've seen a number of people start to look at online courses. So that's been another way that people have gone. If you look at doctors, doctors are about to start doing consults online. So there's no reasons that even within health professionals, they can start to do so. So I think we need to look at what that looks like for us and how that translates. A couple tools to consider for you if if you haven't done so already, and forgive me, there's a real um, interesting situation that comes up here when you start to talk about going online and starting to build sales funnels. Some people are very, very savvy with them and already transacting this way. And for other people, it is totally and utterly new and you're talking, you know, a completely foreign language. So a couple of tools to consider. Firstly is Calendarly. Now people have been using Calendarly a lot in terms of booking appointments, but I believe it's now about taking it a step further. Calendarly integrates with PayPal and Stripe. So how can you allow people the ability to book in with you online, but also pay and transact online so that every single part of that customer engagement has gone online? Calendarly also integrates with Zoom to go and do your video conference or video meeting. And so you can take this whole entire engagement online from booking to payment to a consultation in in that case scenario um, in terms of business. Another tool, um, which I'm pretty sure most people are familiar with right now is Zoom. Um, If you haven't come across Zoom, I really don't know where you've been this week, but looking at Zoom in terms of your video conferences, your webinars and so on, it's a low cost model. You can do it on a monthly payment. Um, There is a free option, but it's quite a limited amount of time. Um, The next one to consider is Thinkific. Um, There is a number of different tools, by the way, um, I'm just talking about some of the ones that I'm familiar with and had a positive experience with. Um, So there's Thinkific is an online course platform. So our free membership model has been done through Thinkific. There's also Teachable um, and several others. Now, the reason I liked Thinkific was I just found it really easy. They did a get started for free. So I could actually give it a go, see if I liked it and take it from there. So if you're thinking about taking your business online from a course format, those are the sorts of tools, Thinkific, Teachable and so on, that you want to be looking at. And you can do this in a really quick and easy way. 
away. We had Thinkific up and going within 24 hours. The next thing that I want to talk about is we've talked about pivoting your sales strategy and the new needs of your customers. We've talked about taking your business online. The other thing I want to talk about is pivoting on your marketing. What I have found interesting is two things. Firstly, making sure your marketing has been pivoted to be appropriate. We had to pull down loads of our social media posts because they just weren't appropriate anymore. So we've had to really adapt and read the tone. And all of us are sort of reading the tone every single day and seeing if the posts we've got scheduled are actually appropriate for that day. So that's one aspect. The second aspect is how do we also do something that's going to catch attention? Um, So to give you two examples, a company called Promo that do um, videos like marketing videos, they started to do a Facebook ad with a spinning loo roll. And that absolutely at the moment is topical and caught attention. Um, Monday.com, which is a scheduling tool, they started doing advertising campaign with two different pictures. One of a guy working on his laptop saying how my boss thinks I work from home. And it was all sort of suited and booted at his laptop, working away, looking super professional. And then the second photo was how I actually work from home. And it was a guy in a baseball cap with two kids that were on his keyboard and hanging out, pulling faces. So it was sort of that, you know, perception versus reality. Now that again is so timely. And both of those made me laugh, which I think is important, bringing a bit of humor in. Um, and got attention. So how can you pivot your marketing strategy at this time? I also think that we need to make sure that we tell our customers from a marketing capacity what we are now doing. I.e., If you've just launched virtual workshops, if you've just launched an online course, if you've just launched an online service, how do you start to communicate that? Another aspect of that is, it removes some of our barriers. So if you were previously a business based in Sydney, hey, suddenly you've just gone national. Hey, you've gone global. So you actually have to start to market to potentially new um, different geographies and territories that you might not have spoken to before because suddenly actually there's no geographical boundaries. So your marketing strategy might now start to look different. From our perspective, we were actually doing paid Facebook ads Um, only for Sydney because of the fact our workshops were Sydney centric. Now that we've gone virtual, um, we've started doing national advertising. So our marketing strategy overnight has also needed to pivot, not only in terms of what we are communicating, how we are communicating it, but also who we are communicating it to. So start to consider those things. The next thing I want to talk about in terms of sales strategy is around strategic partners. I am a super fan of strategic partners, and I believe that is such an under underutilized sales strategy that most often can be free. So let me talk about this a little bit. So by strategic partner, I mean someone who serves the same target market as you. If you are doing, um, let's take Actually, it's funny. I just got an email from my son goes to a place called My First Gym. So it's like children's workouts. So let's take them. Their target market is parents and they are serving children as sort of the end customers in turn, right? So that's their their target market. It's basically, you know, one-year-olds to about 11-year-olds. Then who is complementary to them? And then also non-competitive. So who's speaking to the same target market, parents of children aged one to 11, who's complimentary, but non-competitive. It could be after school clubs. It could actually be some of the 
preschools themselves. It could be um, it could be tutors. It could be people who are doing some of the education programs right now that are coming out left, right, and center in terms of apps and YouTube channels and all sorts of different things around homeschooling. Um, so there's a number of different people that they could be potentially partnering with. And also non-competitive. So there's kind of clear lines around who is providing what and who's bringing what to the table. Now, I think right now there is an enormous opportunity to do this because what we are able to do is provide value to each other's database, to each other's customer base, and essentially create a win-win-win for everyone. So it's a win for you, a win for the other partner and a win to the end customer. That's what you're looking for, the three-way win. So I want to bring this to life again with a few more examples. Um, I've been asked to speak this week for WeWork for their members. Now, what is great about that is, are WeWork complementary to my target market? Absolutely. There are fantastic business owners and corporates that hang out in WeWork. So absolutely, it's the same target market. Are they complementary to what I do? A hundred percent. Are they competitive to what I do? No, they're not. So they're looking for new ways to add value to their community, to keep their community engaged, to keep them loyal, exactly what we've been talking about. And they're running free of charge lunch and learns. So they've given me the opportunity to do a webinar for them. Now, suddenly I'm getting the opportunity to speak to their database of thousands of members, which is an amazing opportunity for me that i that I wouldn't have had before. Previously, they were running um, lunch and learns in each physical location. So it's created an enormous opportunity. So for, by me partnering with them, I am getting a free of charge sales opportunity to add value and come from a pay place of genuine contribution, add value to their database and essentially um, create an opportunity for me. For them, so that's the win for me. The win for WeWork is they want to add value to their database. They want to keep their community engaged. They want to be shown to be being proactive with their members right now and get members to still pay their membership because they're seeing so much value. So there is a win for WeWork. And finally, there is a win for the end customer, that member of WeWork, because they are getting free educational lunch and learns, and they are getting access to a hell of a lot of education resources and materials that I'm going to be providing. So it's a three-way win. I also think it's a great opportunity here to potentially punch above your weight. And what I mean by that is go out to other organizations who you may not have even considered partnering with before, because maybe you're thinking, ah, they might not want to hear from me. Um, They might not, you know, why would they consider a small business like me? Big businesses also want to hear from you at this time. A couple of years ago now, I did a lunch and learn for um, Westpac for their community for their education arm. And that was actually an amazing opportunity. And I'm a small business owner. So again, look at some of the businesses right now that you can provide a three-way win. You're speaking to the same target market. It's a complimentary offering. It's not competitive. And come at a place from genuinely trying to add as much value as possible to their database, their customers, and so on. And I think great things will come out of this. The other angle in terms of strategic partners is how can you help each other at this time? Two competing supermarket chains in the UK at the moment are actually helping each other with deliveries. They're in hot competition with each other right now. And what they're doing is they know they can't do it by themselves and they're drowning. So they're coming together, even though in this scenario it is actually competitive, but for the greater good of both businesses and the customer, three-way win.
And so they're dividing up the deliveries so that they can make, they can do more with less, if that makes sense. So again, there might be people who you have never considered partnering with before that actually now you need to speak to. So have a think about that. I want to now come back to taking your business online. One thing that I think we need to consider when we're taking our business online is how we build a sales funnel. So I want you to think of a sales funnel if you haven't come across it before, and apologies if you have, as stepping stones. What we often see happening is people try to um, get married on the first date, if I use that analogy. And so it can be, hi, you've never met me before, buy my product or service. So you're straight away going in for the kill to try and sell your service. What I believe we need to do is provide dates or stepping stones on that ladder. So as an example, you might want to consider a free online consult, a low cost or a free webinar, a three-part video series, a case study, a white paper, an ebook, a download, a checklist, some sort of resource planner, some sort of template. Um, Think of ways you can add genuine value and it gives people an ability to almost try before they buy and get to know you. Because in the online world of sales, People are not going to just buy straight away. People need more nurturing, more touch points. If you look at some of the statistics behind this, it can be 15 to 20 touch points before people will buy from you. So moving your sales online requires this value ladder to show people, give them a taster, give them a try of working with you in order to convert them. It's very rare in the online world, someone's going to go from not knowing you to buying. The other thing we need to do is look at how do you nurture them along the way? And this is where stuff like content comes into play. How do you stay front of mind? Because statistically, only 3% of your target market are ready to buy now. So we have to nurture people to continue providing value, continue giving them tasters, continue building the trust, which I believe right now is going to be paramount. I believe trust is going to drop And therefore, we're going to have to do more to earn the trust of the consumer of the future and also the credibility. So look at how you can be front of mind and do it in a way that's sustainable. So historically, I've never posted every day, historically, because I didn't feel like I could sustain it and keep up with it. So I felt like I was creating a rod from my own back. At this point in time, I am. I've upped my um, social media and some of our content to be daily. So look at what you can do to support those stepping stones. The other thing about those stepping stones is start with one, right? Let's get into execution and just have one stepping stone, one download, one ebook, one free console, and then build others. So there is constantly a way to nurture people through. A great way to do this, if you haven't done so already, is to use a CRM. If you haven't got a CRM, um, go on to, I believe it's on our website, we've got a download with different CRM options. We got someone to do some research for us and look at the different options. There are very low cost CRMs or even free CRMs that you can be using as a way of keeping a database of all the different people that you're engaging with, all the different people that downloaded your ebook, all the different people who did an online consult, And you have a way to continue to engage with them. So that's what I believe we need to be focusing on right now. It's around building community. It's around pivoting our sales strategy. It's taking our business online. It's finding the silver linings that, hey, suddenly I can go national. It's going with the fact that the online sales process is different. It requires more nurturing. It requires more stepping stones. 
and looking at how you can start to build and nurture that funnel. I'm going to be doing some free webinars on this topic because it's a beefy, beefy, big topic, much greater than I could possibly go into in this conversation. So look out for those because I'm going to be announcing those really, really, really soon in terms of helping you further on sales funnels. It's a great topic that we can dig into together. Now, what I want to leave you with is coming back to execution. All of this now might have made your head spin. You might now be in a state of overwhelm and I apologize if you are, but I'm hoping that I've fired you up to take the first step. I always talk about this. I always talk about take the first step and the rest will follow. If I tell you the story, if you haven't heard it already about how I launched the podcast, I was really not sure about doing the podcast and sitting on my sofa had the idea and thought, oh, shall I do it? And before I could talk myself out of it, before I could think about the fact that who's going to listen to my podcast other than my mum, my dad, my husband, and my brother, who the hell do I think I am to bring a podcast out? You know, what are people going to think of that? Before I could talk myself out of it, I took the first step. The first step was simply emailing three high profile people that I knew and asking them if they would be a guest on my podcast. Within an hour, one of them had come back and said yes, and that she could do it the following week. And I went, crap. And I started quickly pulling together, okay, how the hell do I launch a podcast? And it had to then happen because I'd committed to it. I'd put it out there. I was accountable. So what is the first step now? You can take five minutes to do after this podcast, even pause the podcast and take five minutes. Can you send one email? Can you schedule time in your diary to do something? Can you ask one of your team to start something? What can you do right now, this second that kickstarts it? What we saw at our summit back in February was when people took action in the room before they'd even left for the day, they were already executing. And the hardest part of execution was done. The hardest part is the first step because we talk ourselves out of it. We get overwhelmed by, well, then what? Then what? And it becomes into this bigger beast than it could ever be. So take that first step now. And I promise you, you'll be so grateful that you did. The final thing I want to leave you with is I believe now it's about the strong execution and sales um, pivoting as we've talked to. And the way that I believe we do that is by having focus and momentum. Focus, I believe, is key. We know from the research that if you have too many goals on the go and too many things on the goal, on the go, our chance of completing them is actually diminished. And often if we have, for example, five, six, seven, eight, our chance of completing them will fall back to zero. From a research perspective, the key to execution is having only two to three goals. That is what gives us the highest chance of success. And so basically make sure that you have focused your goals. What is going to help you by being the fewest battles to win the war? So for example, for me in my world, the more speaking that I do, the more it builds lead generation, the more it builds brand awareness, the more it builds my personal brand. It does so many different things for our business. And so it's the fewest battle to win the war. What are the fewest battles to win the war for you? And how can you really, really, really get deeply focused on those things and say no to everyone, everything else. I believe that's even more important today. A lot of us are working at home with kids hanging off us. Um, I'm personally really struggling with that. I have such limited working hours now with an 18 month old, um, who is just constantly needing entertainment. So my focus has to be sharper than ever. The next thing is momentum. 
even if we can only do 15 minutes a day, how do we just gain momentum by doing a little bit every day? And suddenly by the end of the week, that's actually built up. And week on week, we've actually taken quite a few steps. We've actually got closer and closer to our goal. So even if it's five to 10 minutes a day and that's all you can fit in, keep the momentum going. It's like going to the gym. The first time you go to the gym, it's always crap. Whereas if you've been started going to the gym, you've done that first step, you've taken, you, you, you know, bit the bullet. Um, and it will always become easier if you keep momentum. So that is my thoughts right now. Pivot, pivot fast. Speed of execution is key. Stay focused on execution and maintain momentum with small bite-sized chunks and just take that first step today and you'll be so pleased that you did. I hope you found that helpful as a few keys right now on how you can be leaning into sales, how you need to keep going with sales, don't stop with sales, and how you can execute upon your sales strategy. Look out, like I said, for the free webinars that I'm going to be running because I'm going to be running quite a few of those. If there's a hot topic that you want to hear about, ping me. I want to hear from you. Um, I want to hear what you're interested in so that we can provide webinars that help you at this point in time and put them in our free resource portal. I'm going to leave you with that. And we're going to move through now to Therese Ravel from Impact HR, who's going to be talking to you about the HR considerations that you should be thinking of at this point in time as a leader in your business and managing your team through this situation. Hello, everyone. We are live now with the lovely Therese from Impact HR. Um, Therese is someone who I've worked with for probably two and a bit years, yep. three, two, something like that. Yep. And we have worked together on many client projects. Therese's business is Impact HR and she's supported by a lovely and wonderful team. And Therese is someone that I personally use as an absolute go-to in our business and someone who I refer a lot of our clients to because Therese and her team are just fantastic and are a great support at this point in time. Um, Therese has really, really kindly agreed to come on and talk to us a little bit about what as business owners and leaders right now should we be thinking about? Um, what are some of the most common questions that Therese is getting asked? And just share some of her knowledge and insights at this point in time around um, guidance around the COVID-19 situation. Um, and Teresa's also really, really, really kindly agreed to take some questions from us. Um, let us know if you can't hear or see us properly. The internet was playing up a little bit before um, and probably not liking us too much for bandwidth. Um, but we'll give it a go and let us know if you're having challenges. So, Therese, over to you. First of all, thank you so much for having me, Abby. It's uh, lovely to be here with you and everyone else remotely and uh, keeping everyone safe. Uh, I thought what we'd do today is focus a little bit on COVID-19 leadership and what it means for us as business owners and leaders and our extended team of managers. You know, there's so much that is in the media at the moment and there are times when it feels overwhelming. So I just thought, um, a little bit of a reframe around that can sometimes really help. And uh, one of the things that I found really interesting is the fact that we have seen this over and over again. It's never been quite like this before, but we know that great leaders 
can take good businesses through a crisis, come out the other side, and sometimes use this as a moment where absolute clarity kicks in. We know exactly what our business needs to be doing and how we're going to cope and survive, not just through this crisis, but to thrive through the crisis. So a couple of things that I'm going to um, talk to you about uh, to get started are around, you know, being a good leader first. And then from that, a good manager automatically um, comes out. So um, there's a lot of information out there right now. And unfortunately, some of it on some sites is not 100% accurate, um, even from people we think would have really great information. Sometimes it's uh, sending us down a rabbit hole. So the first thing I'm going to um, come into is we always work with people on fact-based decision-making. So what are the facts in our business and what do we need to know so that we can make the right decisions for your business and then also for the team of your business? So a lot of the time it is actually looking at things like whether your business classifies as an essential service, whether it's one of the ones that is already in stand-down mode because of government restrictions, or whether you're actually allowed to operate at the moment and what that looks like. We're also looking at what award your team are covered by because different awards might have different criteria and we may be able to use them flexibly. Um, so some facts first to lead us into making the right decisions for us long term. The second thing that my team and I are constantly focused on as we're working with people is what we refer to as the from what to what scenario. At the moment, a lot of people, when we talk to them, um, there's anxiety. It's very normal in this situation to feel really anxious. So what we're saying is, okay, this is how we are now. Let's acknowledge it. Let's name it. There's anxiety. There's fear. There's a lot of stress and overwhelm. How do we take that to what we want the next step to look like? The next step is we have that knowledge, that information. So that's once again where we head back into that fact-based decision-making. What pieces of information do I know? What pieces of information do I need to find out? And then the next step is what? And then the next step is what? So we're putting in place a lot of really small steps. And if we do that far out enough, we actually see that that final step is that we've thrived through this whole situation. We're ready to bring our teams back on board and our teams are excited to come back on board because we've treated them well throughout the whole process. So just lots of small steps and the from what to what in a nice logical stepping stone situation so we get to a great result in the outcome. The third thing I'm going to say about being a great leader in these really challenging times is that it's really um, it's really normal that we get so focused on saving our business that sometimes those moments of connection with the team get missed. There's nothing wrong with that, but I'm going to ask everyone who's online now to take a moment and just go, how have I really connected with the team? What did I really talk to them about today? Was my email do this or was it checking in? How are you and what's going on? A key part of that for us when we're starting to work with somebody new is actually also talking about your teams and their personal risk factors. How many of the people who are listening and um, you know participating in this Facebook Live or um, podcast actually know whether they have anyone in their team who is at risk. 
I myself have been through cancer treatments and I've had various other um, treatments in the past. I had whooping cough last year because of the cancer treatments. My immune system is down. So I am classified as somebody who is at risk. And as a result, you know, it's really natural for me to be saying to the team, here's the things that I'm doing. But if you know you have somebody in your team who has diabetes or who has um, high blood pressure or a heart condition, it's really good to actually say, okay, let's talk about you specifically. How do we make sure that what we're doing works for you? And there are people in other teams that we've worked with who've actually said, the best thing you can do for me right now is accept the fact that I am putting in my request to take unpaid leave now. I don't want to be in this environment anymore, not because I don't want to be part of the team. I just need to protect myself and my family. And that way we don't get forced to make decisions that are not right for them and they get to control that, which is really important. So, you know, as I've said all along, if we've got information and we're making fact-based decisions and we've got a plan in place and we know how this relates to our team on an individual level, it then makes it really easy to communicate. We can communicate at one level for the majority of the team, but we're also able to tailor that communication in a really personal way for those people who might need additional information, who might need um, you know, some specific things done or said for them so that they can, um, you know, not cruise through this but cope as best they can in an environment that none of us have ever been in before. And then that leads us into if we've got all of those good leadership things in place, our next step is being a good manager. Now we come to the point where we get to actually, we've broken it down into step-by-step. Step. Are we actually delivering those step-by-step step processes the way we thought we would? Sometimes we need to be really kind to ourselves right now too there is so much going on and information is changing on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, what I'm going to say in regards to being a good manager is making sure that what we put in place is realistic and that we don't overly stretch and tax ourselves because we will end up with a point where our good leader is not being a good manager because we're creating tension for ourselves and that will translate into what the team see. So they're the, the kind of, um, as I'm asking people to be a good leader for their business, they're the things that we start with first. And then we actually start to address the HR stuff, which I assume is what most people are going to be interested in hearing about today. So um, HR in this uh, COVID-19 world is a new environment and this is the same across every country in the world. I have teams of people who collaborate with me in the US and the UK because we have some global clients and we have people in various locations. We're all saying the same thing. There is no textbook to read on this. And um, so what we're all doing is working very closely with business owners and managers to make sure that the support that we provide is relevant for you and it's tailored. The first thing that I'm going to say is you will get some documents provided to you via Abby and her, um, her portal, and it will give you some of this information. So if you just want to listen and you don't need to scribble everything down, that's okay. Um, the, the first thing that I recommend is people first. As I said, know your people, find out what's going on for them. Most of them are anxious. 
you know, talk to them about that being an okay and very normal situation right now, but also let them know there's help. Here in Australia, we're really, really fortunate that there are a lot of different crisis lines available. On the information that we provide, Abby, there are three different crisis lines available to you. If you are a small business that already has an employee assistance program in place, I highly recommend that you dust off their communications and start sharing them widely. You might have unsubscribed because there were times when you had them in place and they're sending you stuff and it's not really relevant. Check it out now and see what's going on. There's a lot of really relevant information that's very helpful. So those employee assistance programs and those um, crisis lines that are out there are designed to help you and your team through challenging environments that we've we've not had to face before. Some of them are free, some of them are part of Medicare, um, and some of them may actually be part of what your employees have in their own personal health care. So if your employees do have personal health care, it's a good idea to get them just to check in on that too, because if they're using those systems, then there's more capacity for other people in those free systems, those people who aren't so fortunate as to have other access. The next thing is, of course, legally as an employer, what are my rights and how do I protect myself and my business? So I think I'm going to break this down into three sections just so that we can talk about them in um, a little bit of context. There is overlap between them and I'm going to try my best to keep them as logically linked but as separate as possible. The first thing is whether you are part of a government-mandated change to the way you're working. So what I mean by that is if the government has said to you, if you have an employee and they have travelled before they can come back to work, they must be isolated for 14 days. If the government has mandated that you work in a cafe, a bar, you work in a gym, you work in any of those lists of um, organisations that have been mandated to change and close, that's government mandated. If you work in um, an environment that might be outdoors, but your local government, for example, has shut all the beaches and you are not allowed to trade in those locations, so um, kaya kaya places and those sorts of things may be affected as well. Those are government mandated change. And for you, the information is that if you have to stand down your team because of that government mandated change, you do not have to pay your team. So um, what we enter into is a period of unpaid employment. It is referred to as a stand down and um, we can provide you with a template that is about that and how that um, how that needs to be communicated to them. It's really important for each individual business owner to make sure they understand what that might mean in their own environment. Um, and once again, as I said, there's confusion around this. Our advice to employers is that if you are entering a government-mandated um, shutdown, stand-down, it is important that you look at the um, legally entitled and accrued benefits. So that means long service leave. It means annual leave if they have any. It doesn't mean personal leave. The only time that they're entitled to personal leave is if they are physically sick or they are caring for a child who is personally sick 
or in this particular situation, we may be in a situation where the schools have been closed and they have to provide carer duties to, to children. So um, that is when the personal leave kicks in. With the long service leave and the, um, the annual leave, the stance of ARI has been that it is advisable to allow employees to choose whether they want to access that. Long service leave, the legislation hasn't changed, so you still have to um, follow legislation in regards to they take it in a block. So if they have two weeks, they can't take one week of, uh, of long service leave and not take the rest. They have to take it in a block. So um, it's best if you speak to us personally about that because it depends on how many weeks they've got accrued, whether they've been with you since before 1986, whether they've started with you post the new awards. There's a whole range of things that are quite complex in there, but um, New South Wales legislation does state that they, they still have to take it in blocks rather than day at a time. Um, so that's that side of the things where it's government mandated. On the other side of the things, if you're an employer and you are feeling like the right thing to do is close your business, but there hasn't been a directive from the government that you have to close, this is an employer-directed stand-down. And employer-directed stand-downs, at the moment, the Fair Work Ombudsman is still saying that is employer-paid. So just be very aware of what that is and think about the consequences that might have for your business. Until the industry becomes in government-mandated close-down, you would still need to pay wages even though they're not coming to work. Um, that can be a huge financial burden for an organisation and may not be in your best interests. The third option is, and it's open to all of the awards and it's even open to people who are non-award based is that in every award and in the national employment standards there is a consultation clause that is about major workplace change this definitely classifies this is major workplace change and you are allowed to use this clause it's normally clause eight or clause nine to work with your employees to find the new way of working i'm Highlighting this is really important because there were lots of things being circulated on the internet that said you could just walk in and tell your permanent full-time people that they no longer could work full-time, they had to reduce to two days a week, um, that your permanent part-time people had to drop hours and you could just mandate that yourself without having any discussion with them. That's not the case you need to go through a process of consultation and you need to talk to them about what other options they can see. At the end of the day, we need to let them know what is and what that might look like. It's feedback on it. If there are any ideas and suggestions then you know that's when we get to move forward and that's when we can move people who are permanent full-time potentially into permanent part-time hours or we look at the hours that our casuals are working they can instantly be reduced you don't need to negotiate with your casuals technically a casual employee their shift is the start of their employment agreement 
and the end of the shift is when their their commitment to you ends. So you can change your casual really rapidly, but your permanent part-time, you can then start to have that discussion about, okay, instead of working three days a week, I only need you one day. Or actually, I don't need you any at all right now. We want to keep you employed, but we don't want you to do any hours at this moment because of the situation of the business. Most employees are understanding. The next stage for us is how we document that and make sure that the documentation is absolutely um, clear about how long this is going to go on for. And the best wording around that is until we tell you otherwise. It's a requirement that we give them a time frame, but we don't have a date yet. A lot of employers that we're working with are choosing to say at least one month, but it may go longer and we'll tell you one week before that one month is up and we'll give you a new deadline so that we're actually doing a rolling change of employment rather than a fixed change of employment. The other thing that is really important is to support our employees through this change. They're going through a lot of anxiety right now. A lot of them are really worried about whether they will have a job to come back to, whether they'll have a job tomorrow. So by giving them the documentation that they need to quickly and successfully access the MyGov portal, um, hopefully they don't need to attend an actual MyGov office. They can do it all online. We're just waiting for some more bandwidth to come on board there from the government. That will actually help your employees to transition into this new phase. So um, in regards to that, there's a lot of stuff out there that is fake around what is being offered to employees as well. Um, recently, somebody sent me something that was saying all employees in Australia are going to be entitled to 80% of the wages that they're currently on. That is definitely not true. New Zealand is doing that and there is a Facebook group and a number of other petitions that are signing up to say, please, you know, pay Australian workers the same way that the New Zealand government is. The Australian government has made different choices. And so what I'm going to do now is tell you a little bit about the support that is available to your team so that you as owners have confidence when you're speaking to them about what their real options are and how that um, fits in to your world and how that supports them as they transition out of you know, the hours that they're currently working and into what the new reality is. So once again, we'll send you some information via Abby's portal on this. But the key thing to um, keep in mind is that the government has said that all employees who are affected by COVID-19 will be entitled to support. There are two lump sum payments of $750 that they're entitled to. We suspect there will be more, but that's where it stands at the moment. Um, anyone who is affected has the right to apply for the new um, newly worded job seeker allowance. Um, for those of you who knew the old one, which was New Start, it's the same allowance. It's just unfortunately last week on Friday changed its terminology, which is creating added, added confusion. Same allowance, new terminology. Once again, we'll send you how to access that information and share it with your teams. In addition to that new um, that job seeker allowance, you're also entitled to another allowance, which is the $550, $540 allowance that the government is also mentioning. So those allowances are all there to support you and your team. 
I'm asked regularly by business owners. Some of the people that we've been working with have actually had to take a very tough call and close their business permanently. Um, they are also entitled to this. In particular, if you're a sole trader or a small business owner, a micro business, you fall into the category of being able to access these immediately. For those larger employers, um, there are a few things that they will need you to work with your accountant on before you'd be eligible for benefits. But it is my understanding that those things will be there for you as well. Um, we're just waiting for confirmation. Behind the scenes, the Australian HR Institute, which is the national peak body for HR um, consultants, is working very hard and lobbying the government at all three levels on what we would like to see done locally, what we need the government to do at a state level, and of course, federally now, because you know we are all covered by federal legislation. So um, it may feel like at times that HR that you as an owner of the business don't have a strong voice there. We're collaborating and we're working with the Small Business Association as well as um, the HR Institute to try to get support and information available to you. Um, so information is coming your way and I hope that that has provided some really good sort of information across a couple of areas to help you guys um, feel comfortable about what the next steps are. I wanted to wrap up my kind of monologue with a couple of really nice things to think about. There's a lot of negative stuff in the news, but we stay focused all the time on some of the really special stories that are out there. Um, Abby will let you know that one of my passion projects is working with New South Wales Meals on Wheels. And it is amazing to see the number of youth volunteers who are stepping up to say, we know that it's currently elderly people taking meals on wheels to elderly people, and that's highly at risk. We've seen more people volunteer in the last three weeks than we have seen in, I don't know how long we've lost count. It's just amazing. So our huge gratitude to all of those young people who are stepping up and doing their bit to support the elderly in our community. Our huge support to True Lux, to Manly Distillery and to Urban Ritual, all of whom have turned their normal day-to-day -day businesses into hand sanitising manufacturing businesses. We love you. We think you're awesome and um, we're spreading the word because you deserve that credit. And also to the huge number of clothing manufacturers here in Australia who used to produce T-shirts or used to produce, um, you know, garments and fashion for us and they are now turning their sewing machines and their other activities into um, masks. So once again, as I look around and I listen to all these amazing stories, there are so many businesses that are you know, really understanding what's going on in the world right now and doing what they can do to make the world better. And it's um, an honour and a privilege to work alongside you guys. I guess there's going to be a couple of questions, Abby. Are there any? Yeah, I'll, I'll kick us off. People have been sort of jumping in and out because our video has been, um, our audio has been great, which is perfect for our podcast. The video has sort of been um, a little bit temperamental, I think, where we're all working from home and bandwidth is um, is difficult. Um, I'll kick us off with, the, with a couple of questions and guys, feel free to type in any questions if you've got any. Um, and I appreciate some questions might be sensitive, so please feel free that, you know, if you want to take them offline, you can. Um, as I said, all of Teresa's resources and contact details and so on will be in our member, our free member portal. 
Um, so first question I want to ask is around, you know, some of the decisions that business owners are having to make and you talked through there, you know, multiple different options um, and multiple different scenarios. Um, what's the best way for us to get support through those decisions? Because it might not be a stage of, like you said, going to um, ring one of the hotlines in terms of at that point of uh, anxiety and stress and so on. But if we're feeling like, actually, I don't know whether I want to go down the stand down option or this other option, what's the best way to be supported through those decisions? Um, one of the things that I would say is to reach out to an expert. Uh, a HR expert is great, but if you are worried about costs at the moment, which lots of people are, you know, the Fair Work um, hotline will help you as well. The Fair Work hotline is mandated to provide um, support and information. They can't provide you with direction. So we just need to be aware of that when you're calling them that the what they will give you is facts. And I would always say get your facts first and then use that for fact-based decision making. You know, I'm happy to take calls. There's no charge. There's no obligation to use us. Just call me. We'll talk through a couple of the key things and hopefully that will give you some more information to then think about where I'm at and what I need to do next. Yeah. And in terms of, I know, you know, obviously this isn't necessarily your area of expertise, but do you believe that there's going to be more government announcements that could also change the games? Because what I'm conscious of is you talked there about some fake news that's coming out. Um, we talked about everything's changing daily. Where's best for us, you know, to keep up to date with that so that we're getting the real news feed? Because I'm, I'm going to guess there's going to be more announcements here. Yeah. So I would absolutely say I understand people's desire not to be flooding themselves with media at the moment. I would mm. say find a reliable newspaper, pay for a subscription for a while and use that. The other thing is, of course, the government websites. Uh, you can actually sign up for announcements and they will email it directly to your inbox. So, you know, one of the really complex situations that we're dealing with for a couple of employers at the moment is the fact that they have people on the TSS, so the short-term skills shortage visas. Of course, given the current situation, the legislation says that if they're not able to work full-time, they're not able to be on the visa legally. Mm. And at the moment, there are a number of us who are approaching Department of Immigration saying, please update us on this. They have actually said, you know, stay tuned, keep going back to our website, you know, subscribe here and we'll send you updates as they come through. So it's yeah. not a normal situation. It's quite unique. But there's a lot of us who are finding clients in the same boat. Yeah. And I'll give a shout out there to someone I've worked with in the past is WLW Migration Lawyers. They're yeah. actually going to be providing some resources to us and they're going to be providing resources to go in this portal. So they're a little bit in a holding pen as well as us in terms of what information is going to be provided. But they are immigration experts, so they will be sort of probably closest and firsthand with the news. And like Therese said, they'll have the facts and not necessarily some of the fake news like we talked to. Yeah. Perfect. Well, if there's no other questions um is there anything else you want to leave us with the sort of parting thoughts i'm still looking at the the fact that there are so many amazing business owners right now whose um first and foremost thing is how do i protect my team you know mm. you guys are amazing i know how stressful it is for each and every single one of you you know count myself in that boat too 
there's a lot mm. going on and you know it's a real pleasure to be able to to support other business owners through this because it is a through this and um, I look forward to you know those conversations on the other side of this where we look back and we go god we're amazing look what we just managed to do and how we kept Australia going throughout this entire time how many people want to sit right now and just listen to Therese? I feel like I've just been in a therapy session. <laughs> your voice is so therapeutic. You're very positive. You've got great guidance, great advice. I just want to sit here all day because right now I'm feeling in a happy place. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Happy is what we're aiming for because now we can channel that and we can share that with each of our team. Take one yeah. thing that I said that made you feel happy, share it with your team, and hopefully that gives them that ray of sunshine too. Brilliant. Look, thank you for joining. Uh, like I said, the replay will be available in the free member portal. And thank you to Therese. I know you're really, really busy right now supporting your clients through this phase and your own business through this phase. So I really appreciate you taking the time to come on with us. The details for Therese will be in the online portal. We'll have contact details. And for, if you're listening via podcast, we'll have it in the show notes. So the details for Therese will be there. Thanks very much, Therese. Thank you all Bye. so much. Bye. Hello, everyone. We are live with the lovely, lovely Lisa Burling. Some of you might have listened to Lisa's podcast that she did with us a few weeks back now. Um, If you haven't, go and check it out. Lisa is the founder of LBPR and has been running that business for over seven years. It's won countless, countless, countless awards. Before that, Lisa was also in PR in in other warps of life and has spent 22 years specializing in the industry. We are super, super, super lucky to have Lisa with us because she is a very popular and in-demand lady at the moment helping businesses, including my own, um, at this point in time. Um, Lisa and her team right now, Lisa's got an amazing team, are actually working with quite a few Australian businesses in terms of how do they respond at this point in time. And I'm going to get Lisa to give us some examples of what we can do, what she's been doing. So we really walk away with some inspiration here around, you know, how Lisa can help us at this point in time and how we can help our own businesses. My favorite thing to share is that on the weekend, not only did Lisa get engaged, which I'm personally so excited (laughs) about. I don't want to talk about PR. I just want to talk about the engagement. (laughs) But she did all that whilst helping clients in the car at the same time and going from people briefing her at 10 a.m. to having helped them by 12 p.m. So really, you're just superwoman. Welcome, Lisa. Not really. Hi, Abby. (laughs) Hello, everybody. Oh, my gosh. Like if I opened the door behind me, you would see the chaos of trying to homeschool two children and keep my business running and all that stuff. But, you know, we're all in it together at this point. So, yes, I might look like I've got it together, but the minute we stop, I'm going to be back to the chaos. So this is actually really nice and calm. I know. (laughs) I'm the same. It's like my moments of sanity by getting online. I'm like, woohoo, I'm a real person again. Exactly. I hear you. So look, I want to dig into some questions that I've got. um, And then if people want to add questions as we go, feel free and we'll get Lisa to answer them. We talked about this a little bit on our podcast, but I want to revisit it because not everyone would have necessarily heard it. I want to actually understand what exactly PR is. And the reason I want to start there is I think even if I put my own hand up and say, there's often confusion about what PR is and isn't. So can we just lay the foundations by starting there? Yeah, 100%. That's a great place to start. So it's actually something that we as an organization are focusing on in terms of our own communication, because 
people tend to default to PR, meaning editorial media relations. And 100% that is a component of what we do. But obviously, there's been huge shifts in terms of the way that businesses and individuals connect and communicate with their audiences over the last sort of three to five years. So we are now finding more and more that we are PR is uh, social media content creation and strategy, um, engaging with communities online. Internal communications is playing a massive part um, in terms of the content we create, issues preparedness, and obviously with recent events, we've helped a lot of clients navigate what might happen and in some cases what, what did actually happen and making sure that that was managed appropriately. We do a lot of work with influencers and the story that you just alluded to, I'll talk about a little bit later, but that's a really powerful way to connect now. So PR by definition is your relationship with your publics, whoever they may be. So PR is nimble and cost-effective and is a great way to, to activate quickly, which is what we need to do in circumstances like this, where every day, sometimes every hour, things have changed. Yeah, absolutely. It's changing by the second. And what do you think at the moment, especially, you know, our audience, a lot of them fall into the small business camp. How do you think at the moment we can be using PR effectively at this time? And I'm happy to throw my own hat in the ring as well with examples as we go. Yeah, look, it's been great to work with you, Abby, and, you know, sort of be able to to help you with with your message, which is so critical at this time. I mean, execution is, you know, strategic execution, but we've spoken about, you know, we, we don't have time for 20 slide PowerPoint decks right now. We just need to, to get on and do. So as a small business owner myself, um, we decided before this happened that we were going to treat LBPR as a client. And I did talk about this in the podcast, as you'll remember. Mm-hmm. So if you follow our social media, you will see that we're starting to employ strategies that actually we are recommending and employing for all of our clients. And if I was to sort of narrow down the top three things that I would recommend um, a small business or any business does at this point, uh, number one is get your messaging right. Um, There is a real danger of falling into um, a situation where you can be seen as taking advantage of someone else's misfortune. And so we have decided that actually the the kind of platform that we're going to own for our for LBPR is adding value. So we're about to launch a PR series, which is all about how you can utilise PR effectively during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, we're not asking for money. We just want to share it because we believe, you know, everything what goes around comes around. We're all in this together and other businesses are helping us the same way. So um, think about how you can position what your offering is and add value to clients, your team, or just the, the broader community. You know, this morning I did a Illawarra Women in Business um, session like this as well, um, just to sort of share the love. Um, Your messaging online is critical. So it's not just social media, it's your website, it's things like electronic direct direct mail, anything. Make sure there's cohesion, um, that it's appropriate for the time and it really communicates who you are because the reality is for a lot of businesses, your online presence is your shop front and is probably going to be like that for at least six months, um, you know, the number one thing. Um, Don't disappear. That's, you know, I guess that's point two. Don't disappear um, for businesses that have unfortunately had to shut down or um, temporarily close. um, You know, the opportunity is there for those that can see it. So keep 
talking to your customers, keep communicating um, and be real and vulnerable. You know, I'm not suggesting that you ball your eyes out on a Facebook Live, but I am suggesting that you you share, you know, where you're at and some of the, the struggles, but then how you're turning, you know, the lemons into lemonade. Um, and Abby, you know, on my LinkedIn, I posted a picture of myself a couple of weekends ago, you know, pretty much in my pajamas, trying to navigate what this was going to look like for us moving forward. So I think vulnerability is strength um, in these situations and being being human, which is kind of weird when we're in this virtual reality, but it's really important. Um, The other thing I would say um, is use it as an opportunity, um, you know, if it's about connecting with your audiences, use this as an opportunity to almost do a collateral um, assessment um, and inventory. So what have you got that you're like, oh, God, I just haven't had time to get to that. So it might be a website copy. It might be starting an electronic direct mail. And that's one thing that we've done as LBPR and we've helped a couple of clients do the same. Um, You know, your social media, does it look crappy? Like actually could Mm -hmm. we invest in some proper imagery right now and think about how we can maximise the tools available like Instagram TV, like Facebook Lives, like what we're doing right now. So I think it is a, a time if business is slow Or, you know, unfortunately, you've had to shut down. Think about how you can use the virtual tools to keep keep the wheels turning because it will end, you know, and we will go back to life, you know, kind of as we knew it. So I think to shut down completely is going to mean the hill is going to be a lot harder to climb uh, when you start to activate again. Yeah, I think I was just on a Facebook Live before this and was talking about um, the example of KX Pilates, that how they could so easily have just gone, well, we're closed and we've been forced to close and it's out of our hands, but they haven't. They've gone, bear with us. We're launching an online program of how you can do your Pilates at home and just, you know, bear with us. They're communicating with their audience. They're being real. Uh, yeah. They're keeping the, the loyalty of their customer base going and that's what they're about to do. They're pivoting. And I think that's a great example of what, you're actually talking about exactly right and you know small businesses are in a better position than most where we can pivot and we can pivot quickly you know I've and I'm sure lots of people watching um, have a similar situation where you have friends or family or just contacts who are not in a position where they are the master of their own destiny they have to accept what's being handed down from you know a board or a global um, organization. We're not like that. You know, we're the, we're the mice. We can duck and dive and activate. And, you know, there's no failing here. Try it. And, you know, what's not work? What, how do we define, oh, that's not working? I think everything works right now. As long as you're authentic, it's aligned to where you want to be and you're adding value. I just, I think you can't fail if you're ticking those three boxes. Yeah, I love that. And um, what do you think at the moment? Because um, obviously, Pete, I think a lot of us are feeling sort of overwhelmed at points and going, okay, well, you know, Abby and Lisa. I'm not. I don't feel overwhelmed. Happy and still on like, you know, <laughs> um I for anyone who is listening, because I'm gonna put this on the podcast as well, Lisa's face said something different there in case uh, you didn't detect the sarcasm. <laughs> I think people have a lot of choice. It's like, okay, do I double down on PR? Do I look at some of the other elements of, you know, more traditional marketing mix? Um, You know, what do you think the advantage is right now of leaning into PR as opposed to some of the other options that are available? So I'm going to answer this completely objectively because it's not a value if I put my own view on it. And clearly I'm a massive PR fan, having done it for so Mm -hmm. long and set up a business in that industry. Um, But we do actually do broader marketing plans for clients as well. And the thing that is, well, there's two things I think that are 
three that are incredibly powerful about PR in this particular environment. One is the ability to connect at a deeper level. And that's always, you know, the case where you can tell personal stories, you can be present as a business owner, you know, advertising and some of the other mechanics that fall under marketing don't necessarily allow that. So that's that's number one. You know, PR, it, in essence, is storytelling. And, you know, I'm a journal by degree and a lot of us are. So that's number one. The second one is it's nimble. Um, and I don't know if you want me to tell you the story about what happened yeah. on Saturday now. I do. Um, but, yeah, it can activate really quick. What's that for? I said, we'll listen to that story and then we need the engagement story, obviously. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, of course. I'm yeah, I'm sure everyone will be so interested in that, <laughs> but it's kind oh, of like, so it's nimble. Um, you know, if you're looking at an ad or something else, it can take a long time, you know, to do the layout and get it booked and then see it and all those things. Whereas PR is the way that I've defined it can happen fast. So nine o'clock on Saturday morning, I'm in the car. Um, my partner Colin is driving and where I get a message from my client Scott who um, works for Eden Gardens which is a, a series of nurseries they have one in Macquarie Park he's like Lise we've just decided we're going to do this plant drive through contact all the influencers that you think are appropriate let's start getting the word out there you know we're going to go for it and the plant um, drive through was happening at 10. Now isn't that a great example of a business pivoting I just love it mm-hmm. um, the idea of contactless plant buying where you literally pull up, choose what you want, they put it in your boot, you pay with a card and off you go. Amazing. So I sat on my phone and I went through all the influences that are in our database, ones that have worked with them before, ones that I felt would um, resonate with the message because you don't want to just go crazy. You know, there is still has to be strategy and nimbleness. Um, And within an hour, had 15 influencers who were posting content. So by the time 10 o'clock came around, we actually had the message out there on Insta, static posts, stories, Facebook um, posts and stories. You know, it, it went crazy. I also had a beautiful lady, Kylie, who runs Mum Society, who actually reached out to a whole heap of other networks that she knew. So PR has the ability to it's like an octopus, you know, it's tentacles. You can reach lots of people through through one one contact. So it's actually probably one of our most successful digital influencer campaigns. And if PR is about behavior change or marketing, the ultimate is to change a behavior. Um, the client texted me at 11 o'clock and said, oh, unsurprisingly, things are getting really busy. So it did actually drive a lot of people to Eden Gardens to pick up their plants. So, um, yeah, it doesn't have to be a massively long-winded process. I guess working with a professional means that you get that professional touch because they can do it, you know, with their eyes closed really and nowhere to go and people are receptive. So that's a great example of nimble, cost-effective. So you don't have to spend a lot of money to PR your business well online. You know, social media is the most obvious way, you know, boost a post for $25, um, do it an ad. You know, you can do ads for around $50 that promote something that you're either selling or you want to drive more page likes, whatever it might be. Think about influencers that would be happy to receive in-kind product. Um, So we have clients where we're doing that. We're working with what we call micro-influencers, which usually have between two and 5,000 followers, um, 2,000 and 5,000, and um, they have an appropriate um, audience and it makes sense and we're just going to send them product um, every three months and they'll post for us Mm -hmm. in return. So that's if you've got a product that people like and you can find influencers that fit you know I'm not suggesting math style you know you've got those celebrities plugging everything from hair removal to vibrators I believe um I'm not suggesting that 
but yeah, you, you just got to be sensible about it. Um, but it's another great opportunity. So cost effective, nimble, get your messages right, do a, a collateral kind of inventory. Yeah. And I think I'll look, I'll second that and say um, one of the reasons I asked Lisa to come on today, um, you know, sharing honestly, is because I reached out to Lisa for my business and said, OK, I'm going to be really honest, don't know a lot about PR, but, you know, actually, how could we work together and how could you help me? And Lisa's actually helped me. And within, you know, not even a week, you had various media opportunities for us. So the response, like you said, of speed and being nimble and being quite straight, you know, I, you can go, oh, well, can I do this myself? Well, probably Probably not because I don't have the same network and contacts. Or secondly, even if I attempted it, it would probably take me 10 times longer. And right now I view it as we don't have time. And I think the other misperception that I had about PR was I thought it cost like thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands. And, you know, in my head, you're thinking like TV ad pricing. And it's, mm. not, it's not the case, actually. It can be quite, like you said, it's quite a cost effective option. So I think definitely for me, it's been a really positive experience. And that's why, you know, whoever I bring on as an expert, I want it to be someone that I've road tested and worked with and I've already seen results. And that's why I think PR is quite an interesting opportunity right now for our community. Yeah. And look, I've loved working with you. And I think, you know, the key points from what we've done is it is editorial media and we collectively identified that the way to reach your goal was to reach out to online sites that are desperate for content because the views have just gone through the roof, but add the value. So you're talking about execution as the critical piece of the puzzle, particularly where time is literally of the essence, is, you know, resonating and you're an expert, you know, and you have um, a platform which we can use to, you know, say, yes, this is a credible person and it will lead to other things for you. So, yeah, you, you can do that. And we're doing a lot of profile PR work at the moment. Yeah, fantastic. And I want to ask on that note, if people are, you know, I think it would be wrong if we didn't ask you, actually, if someone here has listened to this, we're putting it on the podcast as well and goes, right, I want to reach out to LBPR. How can you sort of help the execution zone community? Because I think right now we are all looking for a bit of help and I want to make sure that people are connecting with the right experts in their field. Yeah. So back to the point I said about adding value and treading that fine line between, you know, being business savvy and not taking advantage of advantage of a shitty situation. We decided as a team, and this is a brand equity piece linked to PR, that we wanted to share our knowledge for free with our network and more broadly. So next week, we are kicking off a COVID-19 PR opportunities series, which will take, you know, it'll be me like this, basically talking, you know, for about 15 minutes on different topics like issues, preparedness and management. So what do you do if it does actually turn into a reality, working with micro-influencers, smart and savvy editorial media relations, a whole host of things. And the only catch is that you sign up to our newsletter, which you can do via the LBPR website, or you can drop me an email at lisa at lbpr.com.au and I'll sign you up. So that's an example where we have, you know, we believe investing in this now will, you know, it's all PR really, isn't it? You know, ultimately it'll, it'll come back around at some point and we're not doing it for any other reason other than we want to help. And I'm fortunate that I'm, you know, my business is in a position where we can do that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you. And I'll share. So all of these videos, just a reminder, go into our free online portal of resources for the COVID-19 situation. So I'll share the link to Lisa's website in there as well. So there'll be plenty of places you can access that link and sign up and and register. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. I really, really, really appreciate it. And uh, you taking the time and um, yeah, I'll link in. So thank you.
Thanks, Abby. And look, good luck to everyone. We're all in it together. So don't don't feel afraid to reach out. I'm not going to charge you for emails or questions or, you know, whatever. It's, it's not how it works. We're all supportive. And I'm, I'm grateful to you, Abby, for creating a forum for us all. So thank you. Perfect. Thank you for joining us. Speak to you later. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that episode and the conversations with Lisa and Therese. As I mentioned, we do have a free membership at the moment with COVID-19 resources. If you would like to get access to that, just go to theexecutionzone.com and you'll be granted free access straight away. We have resources in there from HR, legal, government grant experts, communication experts, and so many more. We're adding in resources on a daily basis and building that portal out for you. So please feel free to visit our website and get your free access immediately. We're also adding more resources as we go in terms of free webinars, which you'll also be able to find on our website or follow us on our social media channels. Finally, don't forget to join the Facebook group that I mentioned, which is the Execution Zone community. And in the community, we're doing Facebook Lives every single day with a range of experts, which you can join in and ask your questions on. Hope to see you there and speak to you next week. Bye.